Hello again, Charleston basketball fans. Tommy here with another Holy City Hoops podcast. Today on the show, the always delightful Everett German, head play-by-play man for the Cougs, is back from the latest road trip with the team to chat with us. And if you're feeling down about the College of Charleston men's basketball team, I think you will leave today's episode feeling a little bit better. Everett is buying all the stock on this very young, very inexperienced Cougar team. He's with them on the road. He's in the gym during shoot-around. And as you'll hear from him shortly, he's confident that this team is on the right trajectory and building towards something despite a three-game losing streak, their first of the season. Now, not to say there are not some glaring issues with the way the Cougars are playing, the turnovers, the defense, the excessive fouling, etc. But the effort is there despite these single and double possession loss games. We're going to talk about all that. Actually, so much to discuss with Everett today. We're going to recap the UNCW, Towson, and JMU games. We're going to talk some big picture stuff in terms of team construction, what seems to be lacking. Then we'll wrap up the final few minutes with the news of the week, which was that the CAA is adding three more schools, Hampton, Monmouth, and Stony Brook, to the conference. So get comfortable, grab something to drink. Brand new episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast coming at you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are very pleased to bring back the voice of the Cougars, Mr. Everett German. Everett, you've been on the road, Charlottesville, Atlanta, Baltimore, Charleston. How are you doing, man? Uh, Doing good, man. You know, obviously, I wish we had uh, picked up a couple of victories during that time span, but uh, Charleston, not fortunate enough to get a W, but Uh, All in all, feeling good, feeling good about where the team is, uh, the progression that they're making. And as I've been telling everyone who's asked, you know, at the end of the day, Tommy, as you know, the only thing that matters is that first weekend in March. So uh, we can kind of be kind of clicking at that time. Um, I think I will be good to go. You're close to the team, especially on these road trips. What's the the sentiment of the team right now? Are they down? Are they feeling okay? I know there's like no place for moral victories. And Pat Kelsey kind of talked about that after the JMU game. But how are are their spirits doing after a three-game losing streak like this? I mean, they're really up. You know, Coach Kelsey and his staff, uh, they've really done a nice job of preaching, sticking together. Like, you know, don't no finger pointing, no I, you know, it's we. And uh, the team, I mean, they know, yes, they're obviously they're disappointed because uh, they didn't get one of the road victories. But the fact that they had an opportunity to get one, possibly even two victories and knowing that they didn't really play their best, that's kind of encouraging as well. Because, you know, there is, you know, there's one thing if you play your best and you still come up short, well, then that's a little, you know, disheartening. But the fact that the guys know you know, a made free throw here, a less turnover here, you know, one made shot here, one stop here or there could have been a totally different outcome. So you know, surprisingly, the guys, they're they are still in it. They're still together. They're still lifting each other up. Um, you know, I thought the shoot around yesterday, or I should say on, on Saturday, uh, was one of the better ones. A lot of energy, attention to detail, focus. Just unfortunately, you know, the college came up one point short. Yeah. It does seem like they're narrowing the gap a little bit. I mean, the UNCW game was maybe the, I think was the most lopsided of the three games last week. Towson got a little closer, pretty competitive effort there. And then JMU, I thought they cleaned up a lot of things from that Towson game, but just couldn't get over the hump there at the end. So let's dig into these. Uh, I wanted to see, I wanted to ask you, because I'm trying to formulate, was, was there a theme to these three losses? Is there like one thing we can point to? Is it just growing pains? Is it a lack of this or that? If I had to use two words, I would say turnovers. Yeah. Um, and also free throws, you know, well, I guess that would be three words, but two statements, um, a situation where, you know, Charleston's, they've been one of the top free throw shooting teams in the conference, you know, rain from a percentage standpoint is the second best free throw shooter. He doesn't have enough attempts. I think he needs three or four more attempts to actually qualify so for those who you know listen to the broadcast on Saturday, you know uh, Rain is shooting 92%, Morse is shooting 88%, and technically when you look at the CAA stats, you know he's the leading free throw shooter uh, in the conference. So um, I think as well we've talked about it in length. Just Charleston struggle from the free throw lines, especially uh, that Towson game. I mean if they just shoot 
normally what they shoot 70% Charleston wins that game. So, uh, and then just the turnovers, you know, thinking back to JMU 20 turnovers, uh, you know, double digit turnovers against, uh, you know, Towson. And unfortunately for a lot of those, they're like live ball turnovers, which allows to fast break opportunities and, and teams to get in transition. And so you've always heard me say, you know, Tommy, if you're going to turn the ball over, probably better just pick it up and kick it out of bounds. So yeah. that way, at least you allow yourself an opportunity to kind of set your defense. But, um, you know, those are things that can be fixed, you know, and that's the encouraging thing. Despite all of those turnovers, despite just leaving so many points, you know, on the board from the free throw line, we're not even going to talk about the points left on the uh, on the board in the paint against Towson. Um, that's just kind of been the, the theme of last week. Yeah, the turnovers have been a huge issue. I don't think Charleston has had a positive assist to turnover ratio in conference play yet in, in any of the games. Yeah, uh, I was looking that up. A couple of them, the UNCW game was was pretty ugly. I forget the exact numbers. But um, yeah, turnovers are, are definitely an issue. You saw that in the, the JMU game, 20 turnovers you mentioned. JMU goes to the free throw line 36 times or something crazy like that. So I would add maybe like the excessive fouling to that. So we, we've seen yeah. both of those at the same time on offense, some of the charge calls and, and things like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Tommy, think about it just defensive as a whole, because that would be the third phrase. You know, we really have struggled staying in front of people. Um, the UNC Wilmington game, they just simply spread us out and dribble, drive and kick or beat your guys to the basket. And you know, unfortunately, our guys just weren't able to stay in front, which sometimes leads to foul. Then you uh, go back to the game against JMU, where we gave up 95 points. You know, they shot, I believe, close to 50%, if I remember correctly. And those are just types of things, you know, you, you can't just do if you're going to win in this CAA. I mean, right now, Charleston's last in the conference in terms of points giving up. And that's just something that, again, you talked about a little bit. Um, that could be youth, you know, Babacar and Rain, uh, these guys, you know, Benny, they're just not used to seeing this type of speed and this type of, yeah. you know, physicality. So that's one thing that definitely, and I don't know what will happen this year. Eventually it will happen, but yeah, our just our inability to keep the straight drive, you know, keeping guys out of the paint and once they get in the paint, you know, we're having a foul and that's sending people to the free throw line and teams are shooting at an exceptionally high rate uh, from the charity stripe uh, against us, especially these past three games. Yeah, I want to use that as a segue to the UNCW game because you're exactly right. We saw, and I think this was the most discouraging game out of the bunch because you have that full week of prep time. Coach Kelsey talked about in the post game, hey, we knew these guys were one-on-one -on -one players and they just beat us on on every offensive possession. Um, and this was also the game that Charleston could not hit a free throw. They went 12 for 23 from the line. So tough to lose that game, tough to lose a home game after kind of a week of, of buildup from the marketing team and, you know, the, the team practicing and stuff. Um, but maybe UNCW is the best team in the CAA all of a sudden because they they just keep winning games. But I think that smaller lineup really punished Charleston with their speed. And it didn't seem like Charleston could really capitalize on their size. OC in that game has zero points, zero, zero rebounds. Chuck, four points, but only played 12 minutes. Babacar, uh, Nick Farrar, go scoreless. So it's not like you, it, it's almost like you miss a Jarrell Brantley or somebody like that. You dump it into someone who's going to be like, you're putting Jalen Sims on me at, at center. Like, right. I, I need to, you know, show you what's up. And from my standpoint, I don't know about you, Tommy, but I was also a little shocked. I mean, anybody who knows Pat Kelsey and his staff, I mean, we are a man-to-man -man team. I mean, that's just, that's just who we are. But in these types of situations, because of the foul trouble, because of our inability to stay in front, I thought maybe we'd see a little zone just to kind of throw them off. It's not like they were, you know, bombing away uh, from deep in terms of outside shooting. But, you know, Coach Kelsey, he elected. That's that's his belief. And so if that's his belief, then obviously the kids are just going to have to adjust and they're going to have to be better if they want to be playing deep uh, into March. Yeah, yeah. And, and you already mentioned the um... – the turnover issue in this game, the, the exact number was nine assists as a team to 18 turnovers against UNCW, which is not going to get it done. Uh, I really thought on the road trip and, and this UNCW game particularly, you saw the lack of point guard really hurting Charleston. Uh, I think Meeks 
was handling a little bit, had six turnovers in this game. Demetrius Underwood, we know, has not played a ton of PG minutes in his career. Nikita looked really solid in the JMU game, but is still kind of deer in the headlights and, and figuring things right. out. Rain and Jordan are more twos than ones. And um, just the lack of passing in the UNCW game kind of stood out to me. Yeah, because, you know, when they want to go one-on-one, I guess just the natural thought process is to, you want to go, you know, one-on-one in, in terms of sharing the basketball. And, you know, UNCW did a good job of, you know, defending us. And this team kind of reminds me of Kevin Heat's first or second year at UNCW. Not a lot of size. I mean, you remember that team, you know, they had Devontae Kaycock in the middle. He was, you know, six seven at that time, six eight, whatever. But they played hard. They were quick. They had athletes. Remember back then, they yeah. had like Jordan Talley and you know, Chris Flemings and those guys. And that team, it, it reminds me a lot of that. So while, yes, they are the only undefeated team in the CAA, if that's the best the CAA has to offer, then I really feel good because, you know, Charleston, a couple more free throws here, a couple of defensive stops there. I mean, and you, we know Pat Kelsey's going to figure it out. I'd be shocked that we have the same game plan against them when we go there. I feel really good if that's the situation and the Seahawks are the best team in the league. I'm not sure I'm buying UNCW as the best team right now. I think I'd still yeah. take Towson. Um, they lost in overtime to UNCW at home, but uh, Towson, Hofstra seem a little bit of a, a step ahead of UNCW. But hey, they're right. putting up W's in, in the win column. So, And, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah, so tough tough game for the Cougars. Meeks has a game high, 27 points, does it efficiently. But again, he had those turnovers, which came up to be really costly at times. Rain Smith in this one had a really solid game. He had 17 points, 5 of 8 from distance. Um, but again, I think this one came down to our guys not being able to cover UNCW's you know, one-on-one type play and the turnovers, really, and the, uh, the free throws, I guess we should mention as well. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, I guess, the frustrating part as a fan because our kids are playing so hard. I mean, they're leaving it all on the floor. And when you play that hard, you want to reward yourself, whether it be because you're doing a great job of driving and being aggressive and getting to the free throw line, you know, capitalizing on that. Or once you get into the paint, um, you know, being able to finish. And I mean, I'm thinking of just the whole week. Uh, maybe one, maybe two, but I know a lot of opportunities for like Demetrius Underwood, as an example, uh, to get some and ones, you know, and, and his ability to kind of come to jump stop, get into the paint, whether it be a ball fake or a head fake, have the defenders go flying by him. But the next step in his game will be because now he's not at that division three level. These kids are bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic is to be able to finish that play and go to the free throw line and get one. So you know, that seems to be, that just stuck out to me all week long, especially uh, in the Towson game where we just left at a minimum, Tommy, 20 points on the board between missed layups, point blank shots. And it's frustrating as well because we are monsters on the offensive glass. Like we are getting, I think we were 11th and the uh, offensive rebounding. I want to say it was 11th um, in terms of going second and third chance opportunities. And we saw it as well yesterday, not to get ahead, but now they're doing a great job of tapping the ball up. Rain Smith is spotting up and knocking down threes because everyone's obviously inside trying to get the rebound. That kickout three is wide open, and he buried a couple. I think Meeks may have buried one or two. So, but yeah, it's just the the leaving the points on the board. I don't know, Coach. Obviously, we don't have football at Charleston, but maybe Coach can go buy some those blocking pads that you see all right. the time, a bar or something from somebody, and just when them guys get in the paint, just beat them to death and make them finish through contact so that way we can get uh, some of those and ones. Yeah, well, let's talk about the Towson game because I thought the effort was a lot better in this. We know Towson historically has these really good rebounding teams, these really physical teams. I don't know how often we've out-rebounded a Pat Scary team the last 10 years or however long he's been there. But they did that in this one, 18 offensive rebounds compared to just 11 for Towson. But the numbers I checked really backed up the eye test. Nine for 26 on layups. Yeah. Ton of points left on the board. Three for six on dunk attempts. They missed three yeah. dunks in this game. You add up those points. And Kelsey told you post game. I mean, we were missing chippies and we were just, you got to put the ball in the basket. I mean, they yeah. all, all the other metrics, you know, pointed to a win from like assist to turnover ratio to offensive rebounding to defense on Towson. But the Cougars shoot 32% for the game, 27% from three, and 65% from the line. 
just not enough to to get it done. Yeah, and I know the standings say different. I know the stat sheet says different, but I'm going to say that Towson did not beat us. We beat ourselves because we did everything that we needed to. Yes, give them credit because they made, you know, Jason Gibson made the big uh, shot down the stretch. You know, Timberlake had a couple of, of big buckets as well. And I'm wondering, Tommy, because obviously I know you watched the game, if maybe a lot of our missed bunnies and our missed uh, uh, layups were because the team was looking for Thompson. I mean, he had six block shots. Seemed like yep. all of those were in, in the first half. I worried more about him. Man, he's a, a great athlete, obviously great timing to be able to block those types of shots. But, um, you know, yeah, they didn't really do anything particular. They probably feel really good to know that they uh, were able to get a win in that that situation because, yeah, uh, Charleston, take away the, the missed layups and the free throws, which, of course, you can't. That's, that's called sports. But if we just do the simple little things, we win that game by 10 going away. Yeah, well, I, I, I looked up the offensive rebounding numbers before we hopped on here because I was wondering, I was like, are our offensive rebounding numbers inflated just because we miss a ton of shots and play at a really high tempo? But Charleston is top 25 in offensive rebounding percentage. Kentucky's actually number one in the country. But in terms of collecting your own misses, Charleston's in the very, very upper echelon of Division One basketball. But a number, another number on Ken Palm jumped out to me. College of Charleston gets blocked more than almost any team in Division One basketball. They get stuffed pretty frequently, and um, they're big men, they're guards. It happens to to all the players on the roster. So, yeah, Thompson having those six blocks definitely checks out. Uh, you know, if you if you put these two teams together. Yeah, it seems we're probably more like I don't want to say finesse because we are a tough, gritty team. But a lot of and I again I hate to go back to it because that's the one that just kind of sticks in my head. But you know, Demetrius. When, we, when he gets in that situation, like with those NFL linebacker shoulders, like he should be going into people. And it's like, we're, we're going up not as aggressive as we possibly can. And that's why, you know, some of our shots are being, you know, blocked or swatted out of bounds or, you know, to a teammate or whatever. So I don't know how, because Lord knows, and you know, Tommy, I mean, uh, Eli, our strength and conditioning coach has done a remarkable <laughs> job with these kids in terms of, you know, just strength and all. We just got to be able to transfer that strength that we have onto the basketball floor and, and just not, yeah, once you get that guy up in the air, you know, you got to jump into him or jump straight up, you know, get that foul and go up strong. Um, but, you know, again, it's just so, it's so hard to, to fault the effort of our kids because our kids are really playing hard right now. If there was like a CFC drinking game to, you know, take a drink or take a shot every time a, a visiting broadcaster mentions the physique of Charleston players, you would black out in the first half because every every team we play, the broadcasts are always like, whoa, look at this guy, O.C. Smart. Whoa, Demetrius Underwood, he should be a fullback. Whoa, John Meeks. So, yeah, right. credit, credit to Eli. It's, it's, it's kind of funny, Tommy, because uh, let's say, I guess, before the Wilmington game, uh, I was talking with Mike, who is the radio guy for uh, Wilmington. And so Jimmy Bass, who's their AD, comes up and, you know, he's – Mike and I say, hey, Jimmy, good to see you again, yada, yada, yada. And he looks at Olsen. He was like, was Smart always that big? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, he, he's about 15, you know, 15 pounds, you know, a little bigger. And he was like, is that Nick Farrar? Because I guess he must remember Nick from NC State. Oh, wow, yeah. So he's like, whoa, like, what's going on here? And it was like, yeah, that guy over there with the dreads, with the, you know, that black shirt that, you know, is hanging on for dear life. <laughs> right. That's the, that's, that's the guy that you, you know, you give credit to because they really have done a, a phenomenal job and you know, they work hard in the weight room. And that's the thing that I love about this program. Why I know we're going to be all right because everything we do, whether it's lifting weights or, you know, we now travel with our academic advisors. So those guys are getting it done in study hall in the classroom, obviously on basketball, those guys go hard and they put it all into, they leave it uh, all on the floor or in the classroom or in the weight room. And yeah, sometimes we're going to come up short and he has a late we have, but that's why I just say, Tommy, I mean, brighter, brighter days are ahead for sure. Uh, we just got to somehow get over the hump. And I think once that happens, look out because nobody's going to want to play Charleston. Yeah, I do think the scoreboard is going to eventually reflect the effort being put in because Charleston has been closed so many times and they've kind of shot themselves in the foot in, in a number of games lately right. in, in league play. Last thing I want to mention from this Towson game, well, maybe a few more things. 
Uh, but we got to talk about Rain Smith. He was hot against UNC Wilmington. He was scorching hot against JMU. He was ice cold against Towson. Uh, 0 for 10 from the field, 0 for 7 from 3. I think that's yeah. another thing where you point to, hey, if he hits his average, uh, Charleston wins the game. I mean, as of late, Tommy, it's either like either we're getting 18, 19, 20 from Rain, or we're getting nothing. Um, except, you know, I think it was what, four points all came coming from the free throw line. So that's just something that, again, Rain's a freshman. Uh, just that consistency needs to be there, and it'll get there. But shooters shoot. Coach Kelsey has always said that, you know, Rain has that that shooter mentality. You know, if I miss the first hand, the 11th one will go in, and he's not afraid to put it up. And that's what I do like about him is he's going to shoot until he kind of shoots himself out of the slump. Yeah, and he, he ended up doing that against JMU. I thought Ben Burnham was really solid against Towson. He had a, a really solid game, 12 points, five rebounds. Nick Farrar is another guy who's been hit or miss, a little bit of a miss against JMU, but played really well against Towson. He's a stat stuffer, good or bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, if he's going into the game, something's going to happen. Either, either he's going to foul someone twice on the same possession like he did against JMU, or he's going to score seven points in nine minutes like he did against Towson. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, usually with him, it's going to be instant offense. And so if you're, you know, Pat Kelsey, you have to weigh that, okay, my team's struggling to score the ball. If I put Nick in, I'm, yeah, I could get some points, but I also could give up some points. And, you know, right now, I think Coach is still just trying to, you know, kind of get a feel for what works. And sometimes what worked the last game won't work this game. Um, but, yeah, Nick's just another guy that I think once he locks in a little more defensively and, you know, buys himself some more time playing hard, then, you know, he could definitely be a big uh, contributor to this team the rest of the season. And Ben Burnham, I mean, I think the problem with Ben is I don't think he knows just how good he is. You know, he can put it on the floor. Uh, he obviously can rebound. He can shoot it from outside. He can get into the paint. Obviously, now I was kidding with him on the bus. I said, hey, you know, Ben Dikembe Mutombo Burnham because of the block shot he blocks. had against Towson. He's yeah. just not afraid. I mean, the kid tries to dunk everything, and you normally don't see that, you know, from a freshman. So Ben Burnham, you know, his future is absolutely bright. Part of part of that, you know, our own kind of version, our Fab Five, uh, just in terms of freshmen that really kind of produce. And yeah, against GMU, he was having a good game, and I just think for him, it's just his his confidence. And the kid can play. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He can play. I just don't know if he really knows just how good uh, he is. It was good to see him look a lot more aggressive after the UNCW game where he he didn't do much on the on the scoreboard. But JMU, Towson, he was everywhere. And he's he's so good around the rim. He's got his little, you know, hook shot or a little floater game. Yeah, we, we really like Ben. And he's also got a, a really bright future here at the college. And probably the quietest kid, like, ever. Like, I don't – I'm trying to think. I mean, I just never hear Ben talk. I mean, the kid's just quiet. Like, you just look at, like, Ben's the type of kid, Tommy. You and I, we go to the park. We're playing pickup. Ben comes strolling along, you know, kind of the shaggy here. You know, like, I, I ain't picking that dude. And then you play against him, and then he hits you up for eight straight buckets, dunks on someone's head, blocks somebody's, you know, shot, and never says a word. Like, no yeah. trash talk, no nothing. But uh, just a really, just a really cool kid. And I'm just glad he's a cougar, and hopefully he'll be a cougar for years to come. He When he had that insane block against Towson, the camera zoomed in on him, and he was just kind of like scratching his head and looking around. Like, <laughs> like, did, I, like did I really just do that? You yeah. Know? He's like, okay, so, next play. All right, cool. Yeah. But, and every <laughs> once in a while, you'll get a scream from Ben, like, but it's almost like to himself, like not to his teammates, but definitely not to the opponent, but just kind of like, you know, he has to let it out. And then it's back to, okay, let's let's just go on to the next play. Hey, well, Grant Riller was a quiet dude, and he was a silent yes. assassin. So whatever <laughs> whatever works was. for you. <laughs> whatever works. I second that. All right, let's go to the JMU game. This is the one I thought Charleston had in the bag. From the jump, they seemed to have a little bit more energy than JMU did. Um, the effort was there. They cleaned up all those issues, like Meeks after the six turnovers, uh, you know, just turnover issues the last two games. No turnovers in this one. Nikita, no turnovers in this one. Um, Rain Smith bounces back in a huge way. 
Vado Morse is killing us in the first half, but we kind of cleaned that up in the second half. Um, right. But again, it was turnovers and the fouling specifically. The 31 personal fouls against <clears throat> JMU, 20 turnovers. I know there's some sticker shock, like especially versus Earl Grant teams where the you know the, the squad would turn it over less than 10 times, and now right. with all these new possessions. Um, but still, 20 turnovers and and you know all that fat 30 plus fouls really really hard to come back even if you score 94. I mean it was a really choppy game well first of all Tommy the game lasted what like two two hours and like 40 minutes I think yeah the game started in November and finished uh midnight (laughs) it it was the longest game ever and just really choppy like no flow and then when I mean that first half and I I, I'm sure you heard me talk about coach the ball movement in that first half Tommy was unbelievable it literally reminded me like I was watching a Golden State Warrior game I mean, the ball did not stick. It was around. And they got it to the open shooter. Charles was making shots, and everything was feeling good. And then, like you said, you started having some foul issues, and then GMU kind of came back. And, I mean, it literally felt like a heavyweight bout, like just back and forth. And just when you think one team is about to pull away, the other one was going to run. And I mean, it was just a good, solid uh, basketball game. You know, I had a chance to talk with Coach Byington and, you know, Coach Wilson and Coach Crimmins uh, before and after the game. And after the game, they were like, dude, that, I mean, it, it, that was a great game. It stinks that somebody had to lose, but they all three were like, but we had that happen to us on Thursday. So we'll let y'all have this, yeah. One. Yeah. you know, with just that one point loss, but it was probably one of the most exciting, um, you know, games just back and forth, big shot, big shot. You know, you got Demetrius getting the pick right at midcourt to cut the game down to one. And then it's just that execution, you know, down the stretch. I'm sure Meeks is probably feeling bad. But, again, sometimes that just happens. And then, of course, you know, with Demetrius, um, I'm going to hope and say forgetting that the ball has to hit the rim instead of just, you know, throwing it off the backboard there in that situation. But, you know, Demetrius with another just stat sheet stuffer game, you know, points, rebounds. You know, assists. Steals. Unfortunately, steals. Unfortunately, you know, he did have the the six turnover. I think he had six turnovers. Um, but you know, Demetrius is just doing Demetrius things, and that's why he's the leader in the CAA. You know, in terms of steals per game, and it was just sad that somebody had to lose that game because that was a well played game by Charleston, and in the end, JMU just made one more play uh, than us. We had stoppages for. Blood on someone's jersey. I think stoppage for a shot clock being broken. Uh, right. We had a fan blowing a whistle from the stands, which stopped the right. game. And then right. we had a fan pointing a laser pointer or, or something, or flat flash photography or something at it. Right. <laughs> so it had, numerous, had everything. <laughs> numerous uh, reviews. You know, there at the yep. uh, the final you know, twenty two seconds took about a half hour. Yeah, it was like an NBA game that just took forever and ever. Um, but just, you know, just the positives, Tommy. And that's what I just keep focusing on. I think I gave the stat. It was either 48, 48 or 49 points came from the Fab Five, from those freshmen again. And if we can kind of continue to get that play, you know, going forward, um, you know, we're going to be all right. And I've seen a lot of people say, you know what, we started off, you know, kind of hot. But at the end of the day, it's still 12 new faces trying to blend. It's not, and then you had Meeks that was out. Then you had COVID issues. Then you had stop. So it's never really been like a smooth period where Charleston could really kind of get into a groove. And despite going 0-3 last week, you know, you fix this a little bit, fix that a little bit. It's not major things that need to be attended to, but just little. All of a sudden, Charleston could be um, really making some noise here uh, come late February, March they're going to take some lumps in, in a rebuild like this. You know, it's a brand new roster. It's a brand new coaching staff. No one's played for Pat Kelsey before. Only two guys played with one another the previous season. Right. And, you know, I, I think it's a reality check for a lot of fans who maybe the expectations got out of whack after the hot start. Now teams are adjusting to Charleston and, and playing them a little, you know, making it harder for them to execute their game plan. But Hey, this is happening. I, I made the comparison the other day to uh, to George Mason, who has the right coach now. There's another mid-major team where basketball is the, the biggest priority. And they had a hot start. Now they're struggling. But the, there's still faith in the program that they've got it right. They've got the pieces in place. And it's just you, you start from the bottom, just like Kremens did yeah. his first year, just like Earl did his first year. 
you know, you gotta, you gotta trend up. And the best, like you said, the most encouraging thing is that the freshmen are, are really, really solid foundational pieces. Right. Um, the, the lineup I really liked in the JMU game, I think this was the lineup that pushed the lead to eight or nine or Charleston's biggest. It was the Nikita Raekwon Burnham trio, I think with maybe Meeks and maybe Underwood on the floor, but it was like those three had a sequence where like Horton was getting offensive rebounds Nikita was playing much more under control than we saw the previous game. He had, you know, two assists during that sequence. And then Burnham, like we already mentioned, just making plays around the rim. I really liked what those guys were doing. And uh, we haven't talked about Raekwon yet, but he, I thought he had another really solid kind of glue guy type yeah. game. You know, coming out of high school, Raekwon was a score. I mean, the guy scored a ton of points at Keenan before going to that prep school. And so he can score, but he's another one, much like uh, Ben, just needs to have that confidence. You know, right now I feel like maybe he's shooting not to miss instead of shooting to make. And Raekwon can play. I mean, the guy, he's a monster on the offensive glass. He has good size um, defensively. You know, he, he plays well as well. So those are just all things that are coachable. And from a shooting standpoint, you just got to get shots up until you feel comfortable. And uh, once that happens, yeah, Charleston will, will be good to go for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's a matter of I've, – I've thrown this – this question out of getting the right pieces for Kelsey's system because for we, we saw it really clicking in the first half of this game of like up tempo, Golden State Warrior style, run and gun. You know, the nine threes fall in the first half. I think they only had three in the second half, and one was the kind of garbage time one by Meeks. But we saw like the blueprint, and we've seen that blueprint a couple times. But for like a run and gun team, there's not a lot of gunners and there's not a lot of runners. Like, right. Rainsmith is a threat from deep. John Meeks is a threat from deep. But I think there's a lot of guys, O.C., Chuck, Raekwon, Demetrius, Nikita, who are not threats to pull up a shot. And I've, I've seen that a couple times in the Towson game and the UNCW game, where it's just, like, individual shot makers and shot takers. You know, when things got tough, can hit a mid-range jumper, can hit a floater, can hit an and one. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I've mentioned the point guard issues, but it feels like, just the talent level, it either needs to come up from like a development standpoint and these freshmen doing it, or maybe there needs to be like a steady, you know, veteran point guard by a transfer portal or something that comes in to kind of to kind of steady things. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, and obviously I'm not privy to, you know, coaches' thoughts and team or coaches' meetings and all, but I would have to think that, yeah, knowing what you have in terms of these freshmen, um, trying to find uh, a point guard in the transfer portal. Uh, would be probably the number one priority because, as you said, coach wants to play up and down and, you know, have that up-tempo, and you have to have a good decision-maker, someone who can read the floor, always make the right pass, um, you know, in that situation. So, you know, coach is probably, again, he he doesn't know the CAA. I mean, it's one thing to see it yeah. on tape. It's another thing to, you know, actually experiment with it and, and have to go through uh, an actual season. So, you know, coming from Winthrop in the Big South, completely, totally different. And so now that he knows what it's going to take, definitely coach and you know, coach Davis and coach Coleman and uh, coach Cassidy, those guys, they will make the adjustments, whether it be, you know, through transfer portals, um, because the word's going to get out. Hey, if you're at a high major or even another mid major and you can play and you want to get up and down the floor and can score and shoot the basketball, why wouldn't you want to come, you know, to Charleston and play for a guy like, you know, Pat Kelsey. So, you know, from that standpoint, Right now, he's just trying to, uh, you know, what's that infomercial, Tommy, where they put that that tape when there's like a leak? Uh, oh, the um, flex seal. Flex seal. So it's almost like coaches, you know, right now I got the flex seal on it because, well, you know, obviously you can't get transfers in the middle of the season, doing the best that he can, you know, Underwood, Rain, Meeks, whoever it is, Tuck to a certain degree sometimes. Yeah. Just make do. But again, as we always say, your best offense is when you can get out and run. So that way the defense can't have an opportunity to, uh, you know, set up. So since we're doing such a great job on the glass, get those outlet passes, get down, you know, score some easy ones. And uh, I thought that was also huge in the GMU game. I don't have the stat sheet in front of me, but I believe we outscored them uh, in fast break uh, opportunities on uh, Saturday. So no coincidence. We get out, rebound, because we crushed GMU on the glass. Oh, yeah. 45-27. Um, Right, so when you can get out, rebound, run, get easy buckets, that's the recipe for success. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, 
and we we teased this a little bit, but Meeks had 17 points. I'm with you. It sucks that he missed uh, one of those three free throws at the end of the game. Really could have made for a, a different contest down the stretch. Um, but also just more balanced scoring in this one. Again, the ball was popping and guys were passing it. Six guys had nine points or more. I think that's kind of been the the bugaboo of the team in a couple of these games where in a half you might only have a few players hit hit, hit a field goal. You, know, like you might get just like Meeks and Rain and Tucker hitting shots. Really balanced in this JMU game, though. Like I mentioned, you score 90-plus. One team's got to lose, and it happened to be Charleston. Yeah, you can't shoot 48% from the floor, uh, hit 12 three-pointers, you know, out-rebound your opponent um, like Charleston did, uh, and score 90 points and or 90-plus points and lose. You just don't see that every day. So, um, And I don't know if you know this as well, Tommy, but in the first two games that we talked about, Wilmington, and uh, Towson, we ran what I always consider like the, the NBA offense, where we throw it down to Underwood or throw it to Meeks on one side. They just kind of back their way down. And then that help side defender is always coming. They don't see it. That's what usually leads to all the turnovers. Now, I did a couple times for Underwood early on. But against JMU, that ball was moving so quickly. And yeah. the defense can't move as fast uh, as the basketball. That's why I think as well, when that ball doesn't stick, and we can get it to a, a Rain Smith or a Meeks or a Raekwon. Uh, Underwood now, he's hit what, back-to-back games, so he's hit a three-pointer. That yeah. that tells me that their adjustments are being made. Because you know there's some great coaches in the CAA. So they know, hey, when Meeks or Underwood catch it, they just want to back themselves down and, two, come with that help side, make them make the extra pass. And if you're not hitting shots, well, then that's really easy to rotate off of somebody. So – it was good to see them move the ball around the perimeter and, and actually make shots, which we knew they could do. It's just a matter of them seeing the basketball go through the hoop. Yeah, we didn't see any of the, like, John Meeks, like, bringing the ball down and getting stripped from behind in the post. Uh, we actually saw some, like, kind of, like, touch passes to, like, Lampton and OC right. for dunks. Saw some and ones. Much, much better ball movement. I forget how this happened in the second half, but they hit those nine threes in the first in the second half, Rain only hit two, and that was it from, from from the rest of the roster until the Meeks, you know, kind of unguarded right. one in at the end of the game. What do you make of that stat? Uh, were they just not hitting them? Were they not the same quality of shots? Yeah. Was it a- just weren't hitting them. The same looks that they were getting um, in the first half, they were getting in the second half. You know, and I, I remember the last one that I want to say Rain hit, it came up woefully short. And I remember saying it looked like his legs were starting to get, and that's another thing, you know, when you play that fast pace and then you're trying to catch up you really exert a lot of energy it takes from your legs um because we, we all know rain is never short on a three-point attempt that one like barely hit the iron so that's yeah. when you start to wonder if fatigue you know starts to set in uh, but as we all know coach does a great job him and his staff with you know substituting and rotating and getting people in and trying to get them a quick blow and utilizing the you know 30 to 45 seconds before you know, immediate timeout that's coming up to get those guys some extra blow. But again, that also goes back to your bench. And that's why you have to be able to Nick Ferrars of the world and uh, Jordan Steechens, um, you know, Raekwon, uh, Charles, when you get in there, you got to really give some positive minutes. Even if you're not scoring per se, at least not be fouling and putting them on the line so that they can score. So all that yeah. stuff adds up. And that's why, like you said, Tommy coach will, you know, have to address that, you know, get guys that fit into his system, guys that want to get up and down, get a lot of shots up, a lot of possessions, but more importantly, be able to, to guard because the CA, you're not going to have that big 6'10 post present. You're going to have that 6'7", 6'8", athletic guy, and that's just what we're going to have to have as well, you know, to match up um, in certain positions. Well, I do think the coaching staff is getting a crash course in – what they need to, to compete in the CAA because the CAA is, is having a really good season as a league. There's a lot of really strong teams. The COVID pauses from last year are not as prevalent now. You know, like you're getting a full schedule and you're seeing everybody on the road and at home. So yeah, I think as, as Kelsey and his staff make the transition from the Big South to the CAA, I think they're going to figure out what pieces they need to, to fill in the gaps. And I, I loved the quote from Coach Kelsey post game with you where he was like, the expectations are high at Charleston, and I would not want it any other way. 
He's like, right. I know it's fans are frustrated with these losses early on, but like we're on it and we're going to continue to grow and the effort's still really high. But as crazy as it sounds, and Tommy, you're a basketball guy, you know, losing to, to UNCW the way we did, losing to Towson the way that we did, um, losing to you know, James Madison, those are, those are all teachable moments that could pay big dividends down the stretch. Because, yep. and I'm trying to remember the stat, um, all of our losses have been single digits, okay? And so we've been in a position going down the stretch to give our, I mean, think about it, Delaware, one-point loss. JMU, one-point loss. Towson was, what, a seven-point loss. Uh, it's an it was, average of, I'm like, sorry. less than five points in, in exactly. all these games. Yeah. So in these situations, you know, the next time we're in that situation where you're down one with the basketball, here's what we're going to do. Or the next time, you know, you're at the uh, free throw line and it's the quarterfinals of the CAA tournament, and if we're down one or down, you know, two with one to go, uh, one free throw shot coming up, practice – hitting the rim. And, you know, these are all things that, yeah, right now it's frustrating, but at the end of the day, the big picture is winning three or, or four. We don't get that by uh, three or four games in a row, you know, there in March and just the attention to detail. I promise you that coach Kelsey and his staff, they, they cover it all. They cover it all. Um, everyone's held accountable, but there's no finger point. And that's what I like stick together. We're a team. He, he said this back in the preseason camp. They're going to be, there's going to be a time this season where we lose two, three, four games in a row. And you're not going to want to go to Waffle House. I'm not going to yeah. want to go to the grocery store because, you know, everybody's looking at you. But that's the time when you got to put your Our City gear on. You know, walk with your shoulders back, with your head up. Be proud of what you're doing because, again, it's not like we're not playing hard. The kids are playing hard. It's just they're not making enough place and so that will come and once that comes everything else will take care of itself because we are conditioned to play hard play the right way and yes we'll still make mistakes yes we'll still miss free those yes we'll still have turnovers but hopefully it just won't be as many and that'll help charleston get wins we see it every generation i guess we saw it with the donovan monroe andrew gadlock antoine wiggins jeremy simmons lineup when i was in school those guys took their lumps as freshmen and then they were much more experienced as as upperclassmen. And then we saw it with, you know, the 9-24 and 24 team under Coach Grant where you had Cam Johnson and Joe Cheely and Evan Bailey and Brantley and Riller on the bench. And the development you take as a freshman, I think Kelsey said this to you after the JMU game as well, when they come back as sophomores, they're really juniors when it comes to, like, minutes played and, like, right. minutes put in. Um, right. So we, we all know this, this freshman class, which is kind of a mishmash of Winthrop recruits and guys – Coach Kelsey found internationally or from the transfer portal seems pretty solid. And, uh, you know, at least a, a couple of them seem like really foundational pieces, but it's hard to be really good in year one under a new coaching regime. So I think Charleston is still, I don't think they're going to land in the play-in game. Like Northeastern is still behind them in the in the win column. And I think they can get some wins over teams when they play at, a, at home. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not losing faith. It's wide open, Tommy. I mean, I literally right now. And again, I, I'll never cut out Bill Cohen. But right now, I'd have to say, you know, anybody outside of you know, obviously JMU will have a chance to win the CA tournament. I mean, because we're so yep. like, how does Wayne and Mary go and beat when at Drexel, and you know, how does Elon destroy, you know, James Madison? The one thing I can say about Charleston basketball is, you know, Tommy. We're always going to get everybody's best. We're not going to sneak up on somebody, you know, when they see Charleston, you know, we're getting everyone's a effort. And that's the way, you know, you want it. Like coach said, you know, you want to have high expectations. We want everybody to come out and, you know, Charleston's in town. Yeah. We're, we're going to play hard tonight. So I've not lost any faith in this team at all. You know, we got a great chance this week, obviously to go three and oh, um, but the toughest contest being, you know, Hostra on Thursday, but, you know, get going, get some confidence, play well against Wayman and Mary. And then let's just see what happens, you know, obviously with, uh, with Hostra on Thursday. Well, I want to leave uh, last topic today. Uh, I want to talk CAA realignment, which was kind of the, the big news of the day uh, or big news of the week reports from John Rothstein, I think first, and then Jeff Goodman, that Hampton from the big South, 
Monmouth from the America East and Stony Brook from the MAC will be joining the CAA imminently, you know, as soon as, as this year. What do you think of the news? What do you think of those three additions to the league? Honestly, I don't know. One thing I know about Hampton is I believe that's where D'Angelo Epps is. Yep. He thought it, he thought he had escaped College of Charleston, but he yes. will uh, so, match up with them. And he won't even recognize the Charleston team. You're like, who yeah. are these guys? None of these guys were here when I was here. Um, and then for as Stony Brook and Monmouth, honestly, don't know a lot about them. I know Stony Brook. Uh, I think they play football. I know they had that run a couple of years ago in college baseball. I think he made it to the College World Series. And same for Monmouth. So um, obviously Matt Roberts and, and President Shu. They know what they're doing. If they say it's a good fit, um, it's a good fit. I mean, I would think that Monmouth and and Stony Brook would be up in the quote-unquote North Division and Hampton would join us in the South. And um, I've seen the reports as well. They're possibly looking to expand and and add some more teams. So just based on the numbers, I would think it would be some Southern teams to join, you know, Wilmington and Elon and us and Hampton and I guess – Towson would fall, you know, in our way as well. So, you know, again, whoever's on the schedule, that's who will play. And um, I just leave all that stuff to, you know, Matt Roberts and Dr. Shue. And if they say it's a go, it's a go, and we'll welcome them. And that'll be three new teams that uh, hopefully uh, Charleston will be able to defeat as we continue to uh, get Charleston back to the level that we expect it to be at. Yeah, they're – they're interesting uh, additions. Uh, Hampton is in the Virginia Beach area, so really close to William and Mary. Kind of makes sense as a as a travel partner. And then Stony Brook is on Long Island with Hofstra, so those two can kind of couple up, and, and that makes sense. Uh, Monmouth out on the Jersey Shore, uh, really solid basketball team, men's basketball team this year. I think if you go off like Ken Palm, they'd be like the third or fourth best team in the league right now in a, okay. in a really good CAA season. And I know Stony Brook's, Stony Brook's like in the American East. Um, so I actually have a buddy who's a huge Vermont fan, and Vermont is like just running away with that, you know, conference right now. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's I. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, I in the past Stony Brook has been, eh. but again, when you have UMBC and Vermont, it's kind of hard to get you know overshadowed uh, in the American East. Yeah. But they, you know, they fit in the, it's a big geographic footprint for the CAA. I mean, when you go from Boston to Charleston, but they, they do fit in that. I would love to see them add two more schools from the South to kind of balance things out, make things, maybe some, some bus travel type trips for Charleston uh, would not be the worst thing in the world. Would love to get like a UNC Greensboro or one of those old SOCON teams to kind of round things out. Yeah, you're right, Tony. That's a good point because they're obviously you don't know what's going on with SoCon. There's so much realignment, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, you think between the SoCon and the Big South, and obviously us, um, and even the ASUN to a certain degree, we got between Florida and Georgia and you know the Carolinas. You would think we'd be able to pluck a team or two, you know, away, knowing that us Wilmington and you know Elon are already in. So. Yep. Um, again, people who are a lot smarter than at least me, probably not as smart as you, as you, Tommy, but smarter than me are, are probably uh, working behind the scenes to you know, make that happen. We will see. We'll see how things shake out. Charleston joining the CAA, what was that, 2013 or 14? Has worked out great for me. I got to go to more road games here in my neck of the woods, hoping for more Southern divisions or more Southern schools joining the party. Um, and we'll we'll just see how things shake out. And, I, and honestly, I think the only really complaint about the CA that I hear from, you know, Cougar fans is just the TV coverage. Like, it sounds like everybody is not a big fan of of uh, full sports. So I think if there were a different TV deal, you know, in place, preferably whether it be you know ESPN or ESPN Plus or ESPN Three or whatever, all those ESPNs that they have, you know, where people could. I don't think people mind paying for content. They just kind of want it to, you know, be up to par. So, but at the end of the day, again, you know, Matt Roberts and the president Shu and all the ADs and, and presidents in the CAA, they got, they got to do what's best for the bottom line. And right now flow sports gives them the best opportunity to, you know, get games on CBS sports network and, you know, make some money. I would have to think because if they weren't making money, well, we wouldn't be with flow sports, so if they could get that, then yeah, you know, especially in today's economic times, 
you got to do what's best for the for the bottom line. Your words, not mine, Everett, on, on Flow Sports. I didn't want to wade <laughs> into those waters against a, a broadcaster. Uh, yeah, I would love to see the CAA. They have one more deal with Flo, one more season with Flow Sports, and that deal expires. I would love to see them join the ESPN family like every other mid-major league right. so that the casual viewer who's into college basketball and has the ESPN Plus subscription can tune in and see the great talent and great teams and great coaches on display in the CAA. That uh, would be really cool to me. I tell you what, Tommy, for the right price, when we're on the road, for the right price, I'll hold my camera up and I will little, live, little stream. I'll live stream it <laughs> for the right price. Um, so that way people, well, of course, I'm just kidding. But uh, but yeah, and speaking of away games, man, I don't know. Well, Tommy, yeah, you came to the tournament last year, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, JMU. That uh, that facility at JMU is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, it kind of re- reminds me a little bit of TD Arena, except they have the suites kind of, I guess, where our upper level is. But, uh, man, what a, a solid facility that they have there. And, you know, talking with Coach Byington and those guys yesterday, you know, best of luck to them and, the, you know, as they make their jump uh, to bigger and better things. And it's mostly just a football. And, yeah, you know, not, look not at so it, much in bas- men's basketball. Yeah, I think they'll not be as much. stepping down. But, but maybe they'll wise, maybe they'll win the league. You never know, and and from a football standpoint, yeah, I mean football drives everything there, and I mean they have a football stadium that's put it this way: if the JMU football stadium were in, if you picked it up and dropped it in South Carolina, it would absolutely be the third best facility, you know, in the state, only behind uh, you know Williams Price and, and Death Valley. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, but it was good seeing those guys, and they're looking forward to coming back to you know Charleston for one final time. And I told Mark. Yeah. Hey man, you get on the phone with PK. You know we can do some home and homes. I mean, hey, that, that, I like that's that. a good. That, that'll be a good quality power pod home and home. And you know, for them, especially since Mark played at UNC Wilmington, he could, you know, come play Charleston, then go play Wilmington, and you know, kind of keep it moving. But uh, but yeah, Cougar basketball, we're in good shape. Fans, just hang in there. Don't don't throw in the towel. You know, come out, support, be loud, be that six man, um, and just really push this team because we're they're not going to quit they don't want the fans to quit on them and again all we need is just one break Tommy. just just that one marquee victory and i really feel that that's going to get charleston going and when that train starts leaves the try or leaves the station look out because uh charleston's going to be a force to be reckoned with get on the bandwagon now there's not going to be room when the when the team starts winning games right exactly <laughs> if you don't if you don't have your our city uh, gear now don't buy it in uh, february <laughs> just not going to do that everett thanks for coming on man always appreciate your your time and and your insights on the team i'll let you get back to to your your weekend all right man and we'll Tommy, see you tuesday appreciate it thanks so much and uh go cougs